And we're going to be reading from chapter 2, and it's going to be verse 1 through to 14. So that's the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. This is God's Word. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirius, the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And when she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto us, unto you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a great multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray before John comes to speak. Our heavenly Father, God, we thank you once again for gathering us here today. And just as John spoke of, Lord, I pray that your glory would fill, fill this room Father, that as your spirit works through your children, that God, you would descend upon us once more. And Father, I pray that we would lift our eyes to you, Lord, in the chaos that is around us at this busy season. Father, I pray that this time this morning would be a moment of peace and a moment to breathe, that we would look upon your word and your glory, and Father, that we would see Jesus. Lord, we thank you that Jesus left the throne of heaven and became a baby. And that, Lord, he lived a perfectly righteous life in our place. And ultimately, that baby grew to be a man who died on the cross, Lord, so that our sins could be forgiven. And we thank you, God, that you, on the third day, raised Jesus from the dead. And that, Lord, those who put their trust in you as their saviour, God, that we can look forward to that reality one day too. We thank you for the season of Advent as we look back and remember the birth of Christ. But Father, we also look forward to the day when he returns. And just as we read here this morning, Father, that, that this child was born in order to bring peace and peace to those with whom you are pleased. And God, we know from your word that we don't find favor or um, blessing in the work that we do, but in the work that Jesus did on the Christ, on the cross, sorry, Lord. And Father, I just pray this morning that as John comes to speak, Lord, that you would be with him, 
just anoint him with your spirit. Help us to know the truth of the gospel and the good news that Christmas brings for all of us in this room. Pray for our kids leaders, Lord, that you would bless them and, and also for the kids event this week. God, that you would just continue to draw people from this community and that, Lord, the light of your gospel will be seen, heard, and felt. We just thank you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Steph. Uh, one of the things that I love most about Christmas uh, or the story of Christmas is the, the picture we get of the nativity scene. Uh, and one of the things about the nativity scene is that it is so peaceful. It's so peaceful. It's hard to imagine a more peaceful looking scene than, than Joseph and Mary and their newborn child surrounded by the sheep and the shepherds under the night sky. And even this morning, we have our manger here at the front of the church. I, there's only one thing that I'm really disappointed about this morning is that we probably should have had Lucas Nixon in, 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 the, in the manger for, for really full effect. But uh, it's, it's a peaceful scene that the Christmas story in, it, in itself is a peaceful scene. We even sing about it uh, in, in our Christmas carols, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright round, yon virgin mother and child, holy infant, tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. There's so much peace around the nativity. And the reality is that, that everyone, every human being is seeking peace. We long for peace in our lives, and yet peace is one of the things that is most sadly lacking in our world. People are full of anxiety and worry and stress. Relationships are, are full of conflict. And the world that we live in is torn through war and conflict. But you see, that's where Jesus steps into the scene. Jesus is so many things to so many people, but, but one of the things that He definitely is, and one of the things that He definitely brings, and we know this through Scripture, is peace. It is only in Christ, only in Jesus, that we actually obtain peace. As someone said, there will never be agreement at the peace tables of the world or rest in the individual heart until the Prince of Peace reigns supreme. Jonathan Edwards, theologian from the, the 1700s, said this, Worldly men imagine that there will be true peace to be found in worldly things. But God's children learn from experience that the world cannot give what it pretends to offer. Charles Spurgeon, one of the most famous, greatest preachers of all time, said this, true peace comes to that soul which turns to God for its joy and ceases to trust in earthly things for its peace. 
And today, as we walk through Advent, as we walk through the Advent story, and, and, and as we take time to pause and think and dwell on, on, in this season of Advent, today we're lo- that's what we're looking at. We are looking at how Jesus brings peace. Part of the Christmas message, part of the Christmas story, is that Jesus brings peace. And as I say, we're all looking for aspects or parts of the, the, the peace story in our lives. And this morning, I want to I break it down into four sections very quickly for us, and four areas where, where Jesus coming into the world, Jesus being born into the world, and, and, and the Father sending Jesus, four areas in which He brings peace to us. First of all, He brings peace with God. Second of all, He brings peace within ourselves. Third, He brings peace with others. And fourth and finally, Jesus will bring peace on earth. So let's look at the first one. Jesus brings peace with God. B.B. Warfield says this, peace with God is the only foundation which peace of soul can be built. Until the conscience is purged, peace is an impossibility. Peace with God is the only foundation upon which peace of soul can be built. Let me right off the bat ask this morning, have you got peace of soul? Is there an inward sense of peace with God in you? Do you have that? Do you possess that? Or is there a, is there a tornness? Is there a, a feeling of disconnect? Is there a not feeling that you have that peace with God this morning? That is the ultimate question. Before we go any further, looking at peace with ourselves, looking at peace with others, looking at eventually God will bring peace to the earth, Jesus will bring peace to the earth. Have you individually got peace with God this morning? Or is there that conflict going on? You see, the reality is, the Bible tells us that we're not naturally at peace with God. Naturally, in and of our own state, we're at, the Bible says we're at war with God. We're, we're His enemies. But Paul in Romans 5 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We are not there naturally, but through Jesus we can get there. The Bible tells us that it is our sin that has separated us from God and brought disconnect, but through Christ through the nativity, through Jesus coming, through the incarnation, we can be made right with God and we can know peace with God. When God sent the first angel, Gabriel, to Mary, He sent Mary a message of peace. We read in Luke Luke 1, in the sixth, sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Mary was troubled 
at the angel's greeting. But the angel spoke words of peace and assurance to her, telling her not to be afraid because what God was doing with her and she had found favor with God. Again, God sent an angel to Joseph, Mary's husband-to-be, and the angel told Joseph, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus literally meaning salvation. Jesus was given this name because he was the promised Savior who was to come and to bring peace with God uh, by saving us from our sin. When John the Baptist was born uh, three months before Jesus, John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied about John the Baptist. And in his prophecy, he spoke about how John would go on before Jesus, preparing the way for the one who would come to bring peace with God. In Luke 1, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for Him to give His people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins to guide their feet in paths of what? Peace. Peace. And so how does Jesus, how does the incarnation bring us peace with God? That is the most fundamental, foundational question you can ever ask yourself. How can I have peace with God? Maybe you're in here this morning and you think there's way more important questions than that, as in how am I going to cook a turkey for 53 people next Sunday or next Monday? But or how am I ever going to get presents bought for all the people that I have to get presents bought for? Or whatever, whatever the, the pressing demands might be on your life this week. But let me tell you, from the oldest in here to the, to the youngest in here, the most foundational question you can ever ask yourself is this, how can I have peace with God? That is the question. That is the most profound, fundamental, foundational question that you can ask yourself. And the answer is this, put all your chips on Jesus. Faith in what He has accomplished. Trust in what He has done. That's it. It is not more complicated than that. The church over 2,000 years oftentimes have made it way more complicated than that. But it's as simple as that. The good news of the gospel is that we can have peace through God, not by ourselves, but by trusting in what He has done for us and what He has accomplished for us. It's that simple. Now, have you done that? Are you trusting in what He has done? Alone. Are you trusting in what Christ has done alone? I talked about it there uh, before we, uh, before when I was doing the announcements about the, the shift that some people have put in over the last months for, for our event that we, we did. That's good. 
It's brilliant, in fact. But does it add one jot to our standing before the Lord when it comes to us being saved? No. No. What matters when it comes to peace with God is a trust in what He has done, not anything we can do or have done. Are you there? Are you there this morning? Have you peace with God through Christ Jesus and Him alone? Don't trust in anything you do. Don't trust in anything you've done. Don't trust in anything you intend to do. Trust in Him and Him alone. That's what brings peace. I know you're not going to believe this now. This is going to be a hard one for you to swallow, but your pastor has doubts. Some people do, some people don't. This is my journey in faith has, has taught me that some people have doubts and some people don't have doubts. I wake up some mornings and wonder if the whole thing's real. Just being honest. And in that moment, where I go to is what am I trusting in? Whom do I love? And the answer is always the same, Christ Jesus. I'm not trusting in my faith, but I am trusting in the object of my faith. Not me, him. Not me, him. That's what gets me through. Are you there? Are you there? Do you have peace with God this morning? Jesus brings peace with, peace with God. Secondly, He brings peace within ourselves. Sin not only separates us from God uh, and creates this divide with God, but it, but it makes us these conflicted beings. We, we don't even have peace within ourselves. We're torn, we're conflicted. We, we, we're, there's this brokenness that goes on within ourselves before we, without knowing Jesus. We're constantly fighting anxiety. We're constantly fighting stress. We're constantly fighting inner turmoil, and we desperately need inner peace. And Jesus came not only to bring peace with God, but also to bring personal peace and rest within ourselves. There, there's a man in Luke 2 called Simeon. And I've, t I've spoken about this before, but we all know the concept of the bucket list uh, and what we want to do before we die. And some people's bucket lists are more extravagant than others. And some people are, you know, I want to, well, I can't even think of them. But uh, we want to do this or we want to do that or we want to jump out of a plane or we, uh, like, mine's far less than that. I would just like to survive. But, uh, you know, just quietly through to the end, hang, hang the boots up, be with Jesus. That's about it. But uh, Simeon had a bucket list. And his bucket list was this. Before I die, I want to what? See the Messiah. That's what he wanted to see. He wanted to see the promised Messiah. 
And so, he did. The Holy Spirit moved Simeon to go to the temple courts just as Mary and Joseph were bringing Jesus into the temple. And we read in Luke 2 that Simeon took Jesus in his arms, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, and now dismiss your servant in peace. Wow! I can go now. Bucket list, complete, done. I've saw the Savior. I am fully at peace. I'm ready to go. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. Simeon is such a wonderful example of how Jesus brings personal peace. He wanted to see one thing, and then he was done, and that was the Messiah. Let me ask, is that enough for you? Is that enough? What is causing the angst in your heart? What is causing the anxiety that we feel? What is causing the stresses that we feel? And trust me, as you know, I am preaching to myself right now. Is Christ enough? Me knowing I have salvation, me knowing that I have seen the Messiah, me knowing that I have everything I need in Him, is that enough for me to rest? And I guarantee you, if we were all to sit down and have a conversation with ourselves and ask that question, I guarantee you, because of the way that we are, we're conflicted beings, I guarantee you the the answer would be, no, I struggle with Christ being enough. because I'm striving for something more. I want something more. I'm not satisfied with what I have in Him. I I need more of this. I need more of that. I need more of something else. And you look around the world today, that is where most of the anxiety and most of the stress and most of the turmoil comes from. We are not resting in the peace that Christ brings our souls The peace that we're talking about here within ourselves is only available through Christ. Paul, Philippians 4, one of the most difficult verses for me personally, says this, Do not be anxious about anything. I, good one, Paul. Like literally, if he wrote that, if, he read, if Paul turned up today and wrote that letter to Cornerstone Church, and I was up here, because this is how that worked, he, he wrote letters to the church, and then the people would read the letters to the churches. And so Paul writes a letter to Cornerstone, and I get the, the privilege of, of reading it out to you. And I, he says, do not be anxious about anything, and then I'm going to go, right, somebody else can read the rest of it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And What? And what? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I 
I stand before you today as the one who struggles with anxiety, saying to you, who I know plenty of you, and I know you struggle with anxiety, and here's the answer. Prayer. That's just what Paul said in the Bible. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and what? Follow the logic. And the peace of God, which you don't understand, which you can't get, which I can't get into my head, will envelop me and take over. And it will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Wonderful peace to be offered today. Only available through Christ Jesus when we bring our requests to Him. I want you to hear these beautiful words from Jesus this morning when He says in John 14, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Honestly, I just like, see all them theological quotes that I give you at the start from Spurgeon and B.B. Warfield and all. Do you, know, do you know where they got all those lovely quotes? The Bible. Literally, they've just reworded the Bible. We all go, oh, Spurgeon. B.B. Warfield, unreal. Jonathan Edwards, class. They've literally taken the Bible and reworded it. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Again, the reason we get ourselves so tangled up and so stressed and so anxious, and so because we what? Forget. We are no different to the children of Israel walking through the wilderness. God provides. God gives. Thank you, God. Oh, no. I want to go back to Egypt. God's not providing. God provides. Oh, no. I want to go back to Egypt. There's more stuff there. Forget, forget, forget. Cornerstone Church in, in Rathfriland today, we are no different than the children of Israel. Jesus literally says here, my peace I leave with you. You, you have it. You have it. It's at our disposal. It is there. We have it. I leave it with you. I give it to you. Not as the world gives. Not fleeting. Not easily taken away. Not, not going to be, you'll get it at Christmas and then it's gone in two months. None of that. I'm leaving it with you. Not as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. When we receive Christ, we receive peace with God. When we receive Christ, we receive peace within ourselves, but we need to constantly remind ourselves that we have it. It is ours. He has given it to us. It is ours. 
what's your first response going to be this week when you are so anxious that you can't breathe? What's your first response going to be this week when you're stressed out of your tree? Children are doing your head in. You're ready to kill a spouse and gladly take the time. Is your first response going to be what Paul told us to do, and that is to pray? Or is it going to be to carry out what we just said? Kill a child, kill a spouse, kill a shop assistant, or pray. And know the peace that he brings. God gives us peace, or Jesus brings peace with God. He brings peace within ourselves. He also brings peace uh, with others. So we have the vertical implication of the gospel, which is peace with God. But then we have the horizontal implication, which is peace with others. When Joseph first heard that Mary was pregnant, he considered obviously breaking off the engagement, as we can understand. He must have been terribly hurt, terribly confused, just didn't understand what was going on. We, we understand that, thinking that Mary had been unfaithful to him. But then we read in Matthew 1, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take, take Mary home as your wife, because she is, con she is conceived, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You see, Sometimes I, don't, I think we look at the nativity and we look at the, the, the story of the incarnation, but we don't look at the reality of the story and the day that it was. Put yourself in this couple's place. Think of the shame. Think of the disgrace. Think of, like, even... So the, the, the angel appears to Joseph, reassures him that everything, this is from the Holy Spirit, this is from God, this is dead on, wrong. Do you think that the rest of the small community around them at the time believed Joseph and Mary? Answer, no. It was like a microcosm of Rathfreyland. I, good one, Joseph. I, Mary, we believe you. It's from the Holy Spirit. Okay. Next time some of you do something ridiculously bad, right? Try that one out and see how many people believe you. It's from the Holy Spirit. No. Shame. Disgrace. Outcasts. Everyone talking about them in society. I don't know. Tom didn't have a milestone, but if he had a everybody would have been talking about them in the milestone. That's where we are. Put yourself there. And yet God restored Mary and Joseph's relationship. He brought them together. He brought peace with one another. If Mary had been pregnant with any other child, Joseph would most definitely have broken off the engagement. But this wasn't any other child. This was Jesus, the Messiah. 
We go through many challenges, challenges in life. You go through many challenges in life. But one of the most difficult is when relationships are in turmoil. And that's when we need to ask Jesus, the Prince of Peace, to come along and bring peace to our relationships, to intervene, to reconcile. We read about Jesus in Ephesians 2, for He Himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus came to bring down, to, to bring down barriers, to bridge gaps, to bring people together, to restore peace to damaged relationships. That's part of the reason why He came. We have just come out of a study in, in the, the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, and we know that Jesus said, blessed are the what? Peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. John Piper has said, if our Father is a peacemaker, then His children must be peacemakers too. This is not just a Christmas thing, but it probably is a specifically special Christmas thing. Let me ask you, if you're a follower of Christ, and this, this, that literally only, this applies to you, if you're following Jesus, are there any relationships in your life where you need to be a peacemaker? This is incredibly difficult. This is where the rubber hits the road when it comes to following Jesus. Are you willing to extend the hand of peace to someone you know you need to? Someone you know you need to. Because not only does God, Jesus, bring peace with God, not only does He bring peace within ourselves, but He brings peace with others. But it is our responsibility to, to extend that hand of peace. They may not receive it. That's not on you. But it is on you to extend the hand. Are we willing to do that today? Finally, Christ will bring peace on earth. He brings peace with God. He brings peace within ourselves. He brings peace with others. And He will promise bring peace on earth. The angels who announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds the first Christmas Eve also proclaimed peace, the peace that Jesus would bring to our planet. We read in Luke 2, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. This peace that was prophesied in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah, we read the wonderful prophecy there in Isaiah 2, he will judge between the nations and he will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. 
nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. That will be done. Jesus will ultimately, when He returns, bring peace to the earth. We see this imagery extended even into nature. When Jesus returns, He will bring, bring uh, peace to every living thing. Isaiah 11, the wolf will lie with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, the little child will lead them. Cow will feed with the bear. I don't know if you're getting the, the imagery here, but this doesn't happen now. All right, just so that we know, the cow will feed with the bear. The bear now would rip the cow to shreds, just so that we're clear. Unless you're thinking, oh, I saw a lovely bear. I was on Instagram all day, and I saw a bear with a cow. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Unless you saw it ripping it to shreds. No, you didn't calf and the lion and the yearling together, the little child will lead them. Mm, brilliant. Lion, come for a walk. Like, doesn't happen now. This is an image of what will be. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's the goal. That's where we're heading. Complete peace on earth. Complete harmony. Complete unity. That's where we're going. And you don't look that happy about it. It's even better than that, though, because the Bible tells us that Jesus will not only bring peace on earth, but He will bring peace to the whole universe, and that He will reconcile all things to Himself in heaven and on earth. Colossians chapter 1, for God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood. Shed on the cross. Jesus brings us peace. He brings us peace through His blood shed on the cross. Do you know that peace? Are you trusting in Him for that peace? Are you demonstrating what that peace looks like to the world around you? Am I? As we celebrate communion together. We think about communion together, and we think Paul wonderfully summed it up there. This peace that we have, this peace that we know, this peace that we can know, this peace that has been given 
was bought with a price. It was bought with a price of the beautiful, perfect, holy, spotless Lamb of God going to the cross and shedding His blood for us. We often talk about the free gift of grace. Yes, it is free to us, but it was not free to Christ. Yes, it's free to us, but it was not free to Christ. He gave Himself on a cross so that we might know peace. He was battered and bruised so that we would not know what that's like to be battered and bruised by our sin. A scripture tells us He was pierced for what? Let's personalize this this morning. He was pierced for your transgressions. Mine. John's. Everything that John has done, everything that John will do, everything, every single sin, Christ was pierced for that. Every single sin that Pete, has ever done, ever will do, ever. He was pierced for that, for TJ, for every single sin, for Phil, for every single sin. That they will ever do, that we will ever do, that we have ever done, that we will ever commit. He was pierced for that. So what? So that we could know peace. And that's why we remember. That's why we take communion. And so if you know that this morning, if you know Christ as Savior, trusting in Christ as Savior, come to the table, run to the table, and celebrate His blood shed for you and His body broken. But if you don't know Christ, I don't know why not. The one who offers peace, the one who offers all of this that we've talked about this morning. Just give yourself to him. Come to him. Surrender. Put all the excuses down. Put it all away. And come to him. If you're not there and you won't do that, do not take communion. Do not take communion. You would be celebrating, thinking about, considering something that does not apply to you. But please do come to Jesus this morning. You want to know real peace? Come to Jesus. Ask yourself that foundational, fundamental question. Do I have peace with God? Let me pray first as we celebrate communion together. Father,
We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for good news this morning. Good news that, that me being right with you doesn't depend on me. And that is great news. Father, we thank you for your perfect son who gave himself for us so that we might know peace and we might know what it is to be right with you. Father, help us now through the Spirit to confess our sin before you, to come to you and as a loving heavenly Father, to confess our sin, to know that when we confess our sin, we will be forgiven, and then help us to receive and to remember your body broken and your blood shed for us. In Christ's name we pray.